Hey, good morning. Hey there, you hungry? You want some waffles? Yeah, let's get the day started. Rise and shine. Why, hello there, friends. I am Tori Phantom, here with my husband, Jimothy. Jimothy is Jimothy me. Hello, Jimothy. And we are on the Phantom Family Podcast. We are. You're listening to it. You've tuned in right now on whatever podcast platform you have chose to listen to on this day. And we are glad you're here. You're part of the family now. Welcome. You are. Welcome to the family. We're like a cult, but not like a cult. You know, we we just want positive thoughts. We just want things to feel good. You know what? Honestly, I'm pretty sure that every cult would tell you the exact same thing. We are not going to demand that you give us your money this feels or anything like, like that. a weird start, Jim. You know, uh, I I am denying that we are a cult, and somebody would say, you know, that's, that that's kind of like what a cult would say. Someone, yeah, exactly. So we are not a cult. We are a family, <laughs> which is also what a lot of people's workplaces tell them. Oh my goodness. We are a positive version of whatever you want us to be. That's what we, we just, are. We just want people to be happy. Exactly. This got, a, this got off to a weird start. But anyway, how's your week been, Jimothy? My week has been awful. Just gosh darn awful because our basement flooded. It and did. I've been using a shop vac to suck the we water out six vac. gallons at a time. Not going well. Not going quickly. It's going okay, but it is taking <laughs> some time. And at my work, we've got a lot of things going wrong there. And I work in customer service, which means that I am the whipping boy. You're always as it wrong. Worked. You're always wrong when you were in customer service, always, unfortunately. Always wrong. So that's how my week's been. How's your week been? How's school been? Uh, well, I'll tell you, I'm tired, which is nothing new. I've yes. been t- How long have I been a parent? Awake? You've been awake been for at least for nine years straight. a long time, so I, I've been tired for a long time. But it's funny you mentioned school, Jimothy, because that's actually what we're talking about this week. It's funny? I didn't hear you laugh. Ha <laughs> ha. Oh, that was a laugh. Yeah, for that sure. was a real laugh. I was like real tickled by it. That, I don't that was a thing. If, yeah, I laughed at that. I give that grade an L for laughert. Laugh, laughert. Yep. I okay. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't go to comedy school. I just learned it on the streets. I can tell you didn't go to school, even virtual. No, I well, you know what? Actually, that's not true because I did do virtual classes when I was in college. When I was in New York last. Got my degree online. I started in person, and then I became um, parent, and then my my accessibility was online, and so I did get my degree online. You should tell the kids that the next time they complain, you say, "Hey, I got a whole college degree online." Well, what's funny is that the kids actually don't complain about doing school online. They love doing school online because it's... they like hanging out with me all day, and that is yeah. like the biggest like ego boost ever. That my kids are like, "We like doing this because we get to hang out with you," but at the same time, I feel really bad because they need friends their age. Yeah. Well, I do. Like, I like that they're my best friends, but they need their own best friends. You know what I mean? Yes. I do like the fact that Beanie Baby will sing the, uh, you know, the chicken wing, chicken wing, hot dog and bologna. But she changes it to chilling with my dad. She doesn't even try to add extra. She says mom, too, just to be clear. Sometimes she says mom and dad. Sometimes she does. She does. And that is that is nice. But she sang it uh, (laughs) the hanging chilling with my dad first. So I'm just saying. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) 
Well, okay. So I got a question for you. Okay. Jimothy. Is this school? Is this virtual? Um, This is virtual because it is a podcast, yes. <sighs> okay. All are, right. Are you prepared for the test? Um, I need to log into my Google Classroom. This is a test because school was so very long ago for you. Not really. I was in community college in 2014. <clears throat> 13, 13, it was 2013. You graduated high school almost 20 years ago. Almost, not quite. That's a long time. So, <laughs> what is the test, Taskmaster? Right. It's not actually a test. I'm just wondering, how did your guardians handle your school when you were growing up? Did well, they care about your grades? Did they care about participation? Like, what was that like for you? Participation did not matter whatsoever. I was not a part of anything. I wasn't on... I wasn't on any teams. I didn't play basketball. I didn't play football. I didn't do baseball, Little League, none of that stuff. I was in the fourth grade. I was on the academic team, which was it was called Quick Recall. It was basically like Jeopardy, but as a team. So That kind of sounds fun. I, I was really good at it. And the trophy that we won for being state champions is still in the school, in the elementary school, that is not my actual real elementary school anymore because they did close they, they that did one down. They did close that because it wasn't safe. It wasn't safe. It was probably all the asbestos, but uh, yeah, I, I did do that. And that wasn't a mandatory participation thing. That was just something I wanted to do and then right. I was allowed to do it. But what about when it comes to grades? How did your guardians handle that? I got really, really good grades. I was like perfect score in everything when I was in elementary school. What about when you got to high school? When I got into high school, I was mostly, I went from being straight A's up to A's and B's. And I think that's down to. Sure, sure. Down to, I went down to A's and B's except for algebra. Algebra, I got C's in. So I was all A's and B's and everything except for my math classes all through high school. Algebra was my favorite math class in high school. Algebra was terrible. For, I can't I figure it out. I couldn't do geometry. Like geometry level statistics, great for me. Algebra, well, loved it. Shapes, so boring. I don't know what it was. It wasn't that I couldn't do it. It was that I wasn't interested in it. Let me tell you, geometry, when I took geometry when I was a junior in high school, I got straight C's. Like... 70s, <laughs> low 80s for algebra. Yeah. In geometry, 105. Really? I aced ge geometry. I understood See, this because is I could. why we're a good balance because I knew algebra and you knew ge geometry. And now both of us probably know neither because we haven't had to use it in our adult lives. Well, I do still use geometry and I use formulas and stuff. And I use algebra to teach the kids algebra. I use geometry at work. Because I use a lot of formulas to figure out, I have to figure out, you know, things for thousand square inches and find pricing, and it's, I use a lot of algebra at, on a daily basis. So I, I do actually use it. Although to be fair, they are Excel formulas, so I don't know if that really counts. But I do have to know which ones to use. It totally counts because Excel is its own thing to learn. It is. It is a different thing that our yeah. kids don't have to do in their virtual schools yet. But I did pretty good. The only class that I did bad in in high school was when I was a senior. I took a class called U.S. Pop Culture. It was an elective. I didn't need the class. I didn't need the credit. Uh, I was going to graduate regardless. All I had to do was pass an English class and... That was enough credits to graduate. Uh, so I mostly messed around, and I didn't do a lot of my assignments. So when the 
first semester progress report came, I actually had an F in there because I didn't, I just wasn't doing my work. Uh, and I did get in a lot of trouble for that one. It was mostly I got grounded, I got my guitar taken away from me. Um, to steal the gift of music. Yeah, that was what, what as I've mentioned before, I would get things taken away from me. Uh, I got that taken away until I, I literally I turned in the two assignments that we had due because it was a nothing. It was a layup class. I took it with my friends. We had fun and I just didn't do any work because I didn't need to to pass the class. So I didn't care. So, yeah. but I, I did get, I got yelled at. I remember getting picked up from a driving instruction class that I had to take for insurance purposes. So I was going to get my license, but I had to pass one of those state class things. And my report card had come that day. So when my aunt came to pick me up, um, I, I got yelled at in the car ride on the way home. And it didn't matter that I explained that this was an elective that didn't matter. Uh, it no. was still a grade. I so. know your aunt. Yep. Yeah, I know. Which she today is actually her birthday, the day we are is. recording this. So happy when you're hearing this in the future, I know it she'll won't never be. listen to this. Never. She probably doesn't know how. Her. Yeah, that's true. So what about you? How were you treated with your grades? Did you have good grades? How I I can't tell so with this you. This is this is actually. Have we never talked about this? I've, I have. I don't think like we've that's ever discussed not a it. Thing that we would typically discuss is our elementary school grades. Uh, So this is actually a fun thing that I've kind of considered and how I handle the kids' school. Because when I was growing up, I was a gifted and talented kid. Same. And I was, above everything, I was pulled into all these special classes through elementary school. Now, I went to a K through 12 school. We had about 70 to 80 kids per grade. It was a very small school, very small population. So anything extracurricular, extra academically was very few and far between just because of budget issues. But I was very fortunate to be pulled into all of those. And... I mean, like I had the the one thing I had, I did have a speech impediment that I went to speech for through my elementary years. What was it? What did it sound like? Well, I, I just had trouble pronouncing certain sounds. And I think it's funny because nowadays, even as an adult, people say, where is your accent from? It's not an accent. It's a residual speech impediment. <laughs> like, I just kind of, my, my words, I just figured out how to say them how I want to say them. It's not an accent. It's just how I talk. It reminds uh, me of the meme. <laughs> Where the comment says, oh, I, I love your speech impediment. And then the girl's like, I'm just Welsh. <laughs> but I don't, like that's, you know, when I, I grew up in New York, I lived in New York. And when I was working in New York, someone said, where's your accent from? I said, here. It's not an accent. It's a speech impediment. It's fine. <laughs> it's not a phase. <laughs> it's not a phase, mom. But so basically through school, especially elementary years, I excelled. I was above the board, despite what my home environment was like. And and I feel like I would have done even better had it not been for what my home environment was like. Probably. But the interesting thing here is that my brother had a learning disability, has a learning disability. I think he I'm, still has it. I'm not I'm sure. I'm positive he still has it. I just haven't done much research into how certain learning disabilities affect adult life. And I'm actually, I'm going to do research on that because I want to be more educated. However, when we were children, my brother, he had an IEP. He struggled with learning things. Uh, he had he had several different things in place for him to help his learning. And so my brother really struggled to get lower grades where I easily got higher grades, right? Now, my brother and I, we've had a rocky relationship. That's for another episode. But 
this was the thing both of us noticed from the time we were children was the way that our parents treated us so differently when it came to school. If my brother brought home a B, it was 100% celebrated. It was like, we're going we're gonna to have cookies. We're going to like celebrate this moment. If I brought home a B, I was in trouble. The B stands for beating. Honestly, yeah. And so that was just like this interesting thing because like I have talked about before how I don't treat my kids the same way, right? But it is in very minimal ways that they're not going to be able to notice that like mom does this differently for my sister. Like, and if they do notice that, they can ask me why and I can explain myself because I am always willing to explain myself to my kids because they're, they're, they deserve to know why I do the things I do. Like, I'm not, I am not in total power here. We're, we're just a part of a family. I'm a leader. They deserve to know, right? Exactly. So that was kind of in elementary school. Like, I felt like I had to perform perfectly. And even with straight A's, there was nothing celebrated about that for me. But my brother, if he could bring home a B, that was celebrated. And, like, as an adult looking back on this, like, as a parent, I can understand why my parents would have celebrated his B. However, as a child, I can I can empathize with my childlike self. And children are very self-centered. It's, a, it's, yeah. a, it's like a biological survival thing. You have to think about yourself, right? Like, we've only evolved so much. Like, there's those instincts that are there. They're very self-centered. And so, as a child who didn't have worldly views, I felt so offended by that. Like, I work my butt off. I bring home straight A's, and, like, no one cares. And if I bring home anything less than an A, I'm in trouble. But he gets a B, and he's celebrated. And so, that caused more tension between me and my brother because I was frustrated at that and I feel like rightfully so because of and and not just because like of a little bit of a difference but the drastic difference in the way that my parents handled us and then you move into the high school years which I mean I I haven't talked much about um through content but I I had some very serious traumatic events happen to me in my preteen years and that kind of made me apathetic and depressed and very much trauma responses. I just stopped caring about everything. So I went from being a straight A honor student to failing a lot of classes. And although I had like a school psychologist like step in and be like, what's going on? And then I just like trauma dumped like it wasn't anything, you know, like like just just casually dumping some current trauma. And he was like, what? And I was like, yeah. And they just were kind of like, okay, so it's fine that Tori's failing. Uh, it wasn't seen the same way at home, and I was in big trouble, uh, I, especially the early years in high school for me, 14, 15, I really struggled with grades because it wasn't even that I struggled. I just stopped caring, so I did have to repeat some classes, um, but I did graduate middle of my class, but I had an advanced regents diploma, which is not a thing here in Kentucky. It's not a thing in other states. That was a New York thing. I had to pass several state tests that only certain courses offered. So I actually, when I entered college, had a really good standing because despite the poor grades that I had because of mental health issues, I had done well enough to have an advanced diploma from high school. But in high school, like, 
It was just it was just a hot mess. I didn't have any support. It was just like if I missed assignments. Like my mom worked at the elementary school, and again, this was a K through twelve school. So if I missed an assignment, my mom would be standing in the lobby of the high school when I went to my lunch period to yell at me in front of everybody. Which it just, it did great things for my. I'm mental sure that health. helped. Let me tell you, it was so good. See, I was raised with my cousin. And she was seven years younger than me, so I didn't really have a comparison. I, I was already done with school, and she was in, what, if I was seven years at fifth grade by the time I graduated. So it, it didn't really apply, although they had nothing to worry about with her because she had perfect ace grades, everything, all the way up through being the valedictorian and dean's list, master's list, whatever the top of the college graduation charts were as well. So she was kind of like the white sheep, and I wasn't quite a black sheep, but I was just a little a little dirty sheep boy <laughs> just going through classes. But she still is. She still is excelling at everything she does. Everything That's she does. That's just her personality. But, like, let's let's talk about how we handle things for the kids. Let's talk about that. But I will tell you that the way that my parents handled me and my brother's schooling actually gave me a pretty good basis for how to handle our kids and their schooling. So let's take our nine-year-old who's in the fourth grade, has been in school for five years, and she started the virtual learning back in the second grade. And It was second grade, wasn't it? It was. It's been virtual for quite some time now. And I remember last year, that first full year of virtual learning, we did run into some issues where the the first quarter she did incredibly well, like the normal straight A's I'd expect from her. And then the second quarter, she was pulling C's. Like there was some issues. So I went over her progress reports. I went over all of this and I noticed these missed assignments, but I know my daughter And I know that she cares about things. And so instead of yelling at her or disciplining her for these bad grades, I said, dude, what's going on? And this is that's actually that's how I talk to the kids. Literally. Yeah. I hear that 14 times a day. (laughs) And so what I realized from this conversation with her, instead of being mad at her for having bad grades, I asked her, why did the grades get bad? Well, you have to think that the the first year of virtual learning, that March 2020 through the end of the year, that wasn't really virtual learning. They didn't have a system set up. That was kind of a different system. And so the first year of virtual learning was kind of overwhelming for her in this, this new sense of virtual learning. And she was stressed. And she didn't know how to communicate that. She didn't know how to tell us that. And so if she didn't understand something, instead of asking for help... She would just not do it. But then she would tell me that the assignments were done. And because my daughter and I have such a good relationship, I would trust her. And I don't regret trusting her. I want to make that clear. I still trust her just as much as I did then. But what I learned is that I need to be more in tune with her emotions and her feelings and double check. I needed to do more. It wasn't a her problem. It was a me problem because had I been really double checking her work and not just taking her word for it, she wouldn't have gotten that bad grade. And she got that bad grade because she was having feelings and she didn't know how to ask for help. And so her and I talked about it. We talked to the teacher and her grades went right back up. Boom. Strap the rocket on her. <laughs> but the the thing is, is that my nine-year-old is a very gifted kid. She Everything comes to her so easily. 
which presents its own challenges because when something doesn't, she gets very frustrated. But my five-year-old is an autistic kiddo, and and so much in her life has been a challenge. And so in that contrast, when, when I was a kid growing up, my parents gave my brother this special treatment for achieving you know, average, and they didn't give me anything for excelling. And the way that I see this with my kids is that I want to celebrate them for where they're at. And so that that means, okay, like you didn't do great because you weren't able to ask me for help. Okay, that's fine. So let me see you ask me for help when you need it. Like, let's talk about what that looks like and how to do that. Let's Let's talk about how to ask for help in the future from your teacher, from me, whatever. And then she starts doing that. I'm going to celebrate that. Heck yeah, you're doing great. And with my autistic five-year-old who really just started real school this year, it's kindergarten and we're doing it online. And, and you know, that brings its own frustrations. But like I'm celebrating her progress too. And so for me, I'm not comparing my kids. That would be so unfair to them because they're different people. They're different people with different brains and different abilities. Exactly. And they they have different strengths and weaknesses, and we can easily see that. And honestly, the academics of a kid are not the most important thing. And so for me, when I'm looking at the kids, when I when I look at grades, as long as they are trying, I really don't care what grade they bring home. But what's interesting about that is they do. My nine-year-old, our nine-year-old, our pumpkin pie, is a little perfectionist pumpkin pie. To a fault. To a fault. But it's not, I don't consider it an entire fault because she just wants to, to do her best. And not just her best, she wants to do the best. Yes. And so the thing I'm working on with my nine-year-old is to not do the best, but to do her best. It's okay to make mistakes. Mistakes is how we learn. And so when she gets frustrated with her work and she says, Mom, I need your help, I have to remind her that I can help you, but I cannot do it for you because I already finished the fourth grade. And, and Quite that, a long time ago, might I add. Only 20 years, whatever. Exactly. <laughs> but that, that has brought its own unique challenge because she does want to be perfect. And, and the challenge with her is to remind her and, and validate the idea that not being perfect isn't just okay, but it's normal. No one is perfect. And, and I see that because there's subjects she excels at and there's subjects she struggles with. And so I just try to offer the support I can the best I can. And and with my five-year-old, it's, it's really just about getting her to engage and learn it all. And she's made so much progress. And honestly, like as a parent, I want to celebrate all of their successes. I think they deserve it. And honestly, like, especially the way the world is now, like, don't we all have like a little room to celebrate for no reason? I celebrate myself for no reason every <laughs> single day because look at me. I'm awesome. You are pretty awesome. Although I guess that's a reason. So, <laughs> But that's I mean, I think that's an interesting contrast to bring is the the in school learning versus virtual learning. Right. So we have young kids, which has been a challenge through the last few years because there's like a whole panoramic pandemic going on. 
And our kids started virtual learning in March 2020. At the time, our five-year-old was three on her first year of preschool. Now, most three-year-olds don't actually need to go to preschool. Our daughter qualified because she does have special needs and she needed the extra support to prepare her for kindergarten because she needs a lot of support socially and with motor skills and academically like she just needs a little extra support so she got to start early and she got to go to preschool for like what six months something like that. something like that and then the whole world shut down so we had a preschooler we had a second grader and the world shut down and Prior to the shutdown, I mean, it was it was a whole different vibe. You know, it feels like the good old days. Uh, my my preschooler went to school for half a day, and I got to talk to her teacher every day minimally uh, at pick up and drop off. And I just kind of didn't know what was going on with her all day because that was the standard. And with my at the time second grader, it was very similar. You know, parent teacher conference, whatever. I wasn't really a part of the learning process. But my kiddo was learning and anything I needed to know, you know, we had the app for communication, whatever, but I was really disconnected from what was happening with my kids' schooling. Yeah. And that's kind of the weird benefit of the current situation is the role I get to play in online school. Because I remember being in school, but I can't imagine what that would be like as a teacher, right? Oh, yeah. At at the same time, I don't love being a teacher. I'm not a teacher. I'm not great at that. That's not a role I was ever meant to be in. I'm trying my best. But because of the way the world is now, since March 2020, I stepped up from a caring parent who very much supported my kids and made sure that they were on the right track to an active participant in my children's education. And I mean, I would say prior to the pandemic, I would have said the same thing. I'm an active participant in my children's education. I was always at school events. I was always trying my best, staying in touch with teachers, supporting my kids, keeping that open communication. Uh, But now, now I'm a whole teacher. And it's kind of, it's kind of cool. Like, it's very stressful. It's super stressful. Like, a lot of days I just want to rip the little bit of hair I have out. Oh, you don't. You know what? You chose to have a little bit of hair. You don't get to say it like that. Baldies unite. (laughs) I do get to say it like that. However, it is a very interesting thing because before it felt like in the before times. It feels so ominous, but honestly, (laughs) it, it felt like. To raise a kid, you know, it takes a village, whatever. And I feel like parents' jobs are typically emotional development, self-help development, independence. Like, there are so many things about being a person, a good person, a good member of society person. Like, that is the parents' job. And the education bit, we kind of just trust the schools to figure that out, right? And, and we are there, we are communicative, but it's not the same. And so suddenly I am a big part in my kids' education and the pressure is real. But it's kind of cool because now I suddenly have this big communication with my kids' teacher. 
Like, I literally, like, I'm up in my kids' teacher's DM, like, every day. Because my kids, they're, they're in kindergarten and the fourth grade, but they have the same teacher. Because just, like, real quick, just to run it through, I'm going to talk really fast right now. When we found out that my kids were able to do virtual schooling, we didn't know who the teacher was going to be on the first day of school. They still didn't know. On the second day of school, we were assigned a teacher and we talked to them for the first time. Then we found out that this teacher was going to be teaching grades K through 5, and she only has the hours from 8 until 11 a.m. to do it because she works in person for the rest of the day. But she does do a meeting at 1.50 after that just to catch in with the kids and catch up, make sure that they have everything done or if they need any help. So... This teacher is also a special ed certified teacher, so she is capable to help my autistic kiddo and any other special needs kiddo, but it is a kind of hot mess. But yeah, so that's kind of like where that is. But so it's, it's been like a, it was a messy beginning, but now we're all kind of in this groove and I'm talking to this teacher every day because when I need help helping my kids, I'm reaching out and she is giving me the resources to help them because I chose to do this virtual learning. Um, Many children in our district are doing, most children in our district are doing in-person learning. But there's many of us who for several reasons needed to do the online and we have one teacher for half a day and she is a superhero. And I very much appreciate her because she is so willing and excited to help me help my kids and my kids love her and it's just i mean it's it's very exciting for me to be such an active part of the learning process despite how stressful it is and it is very uh, yes yes but speaking of that i said their teacher is wonderful yes yes i agree yeah i've gone on a, a few times about this now uh so but the funny thing about it is that i think a lot of times we forget what it's like to be a kid do you remember the the weird embarrassment you'd get as a kid? I never was. No, I, I mean, all, like, all my weird you, embarrassments came but, as being an adult. Okay, but like, I mean, like the embarrassment of like having to go throw a tissue away in the garbage can, or like if you need to use the bathroom, having to ask to go to the bathroom. Like, maybe you don't relate to this because you're not an anxious person, but oh, yeah. I know a lot of folks listening to this will relate to this. Like, it's the anxiety of like having to ask for help, like. I don't want to have to ask for help. That that makes me feel weird. I don't want to have to admit I need help with this. I don't want anyone to look at me like I'm afraid to walk across the room, even though everyone walks across the room. But I don't want people looking at me. But like no one's looking at you. But like it feels like everyone's looking at you. Can't relate. <laughs> Rub it in. <laughs> anyway, we've been doing this virtual school in the fourth grade. In fourth grade, things get kind of sticky. It's kind of the hard year. That's the hard year of elementary. I think the rest of it is base knowledge. You get to the fourth grade and suddenly it's like, whoa, we got a lot to learn, friends. And this last week especially has been incredibly difficult because the, the things are getting harder. And although I did pass the fourth grade 20 years ago, kids actually have different learning methods now. Like I would love to see any adult try to make it through a children's math course in the way they expect children to do it now because we couldn't we couldn't this this common core math is different now i love it i understand common core and i actually really love it but that doesn't mean that i am fluent in it right yeah i'm i what what is what is this it's like oh if you want to do 10 plus 13 well that's you take one plus it's 10 plus 10 plus 3 Essentially, Common Core, is it takes the math you do in your head, but it puts it on paper. It's actually really intuitive. I really love it, uh, the way that it helps develop thought processes. However, 
our our nine-year-old she's been kind of struggling this week because work is getting harder and there's even in English things like I'm like I haven't had to use this knowledge since I was in the fourth grade I don't remember and she's relying on me to help her and she's getting frustrated because I don't always know the answers especially because I'm not always there listening to every minute of her Google meets right and so it's it's become this weird frustration and So today I was working with her and she's working on this really long assignment, like this really long thing. And there's so many questions that she needed help with. And half of them I could help with and half of them was like, dude, I don't know. And I wasn't easily able to find the answers from Professor Google. So (laughs) I was like, because their teacher is incredible because even though she's working the virtual school and the in-person school, she still makes time twice a day for open meets for kids to come in and ask questions. So I told I told Pumpkin Pie, I said, well, I said, both of us are struggling with this. So why don't you sign on and, and ask for help? And she froze up. She was like, no, I'm not. I can't. I Nope, I'm not going to do that. And I was like, oh, why? And she just was so stressed about it. And I realized that she was afraid to ask for help. She was fine asking for help from me because she trusts me. She knows me. And I think that's the downfall of these online school relationships because the kids don't get to have that personable relationship with their teacher, right? Yeah. But I was like, dude, I was like, if your teacher has these meets to help kids, if no one joins, like, she's just going to sit there alone and bored. Like, she wants people to join and ask for help. And she was like, not having it. She's like, nope. And I was like, okay, that's fine. So we continued working and I helped her with what I could and we skipped over the questions we couldn't. And and I just kept talking to her about like why asking for help is okay. And I like reminded her like, dude, you have to help me with school because I don't understand Google Classroom. Like if it wasn't for you, your kindergarten sister wouldn't be able to do school because I didn't understand this until you taught me. Exactly. You're learning too. <laughs> and and that brought her so much joy for her to realize that she's teaching me that I needed help from her. And and this kind of went on and I was kind of telling her like it's okay to ask for help and kind of like validating that not just by saying those words but by providing examples because I think a lot of times when we're validating kids emotions we do have to provide examples because ideas aren't enough. We yeah. we have to have tangible evidence of it. And so we kept going through it whatever and I and I was telling her you know like it takes courage to admit you don't know something but like there's power in asking for help because then you can learn. And at that moment, like, she's like, okay, okay. So she's working on her stuff. And a couple minutes later, she comes to me and she goes, Mom, I think I'm going to join that next meet. And I said, heck yeah. And she joined the meet. And she gets on with her teacher. And she's asking for all this help. Like, I was so proud of her. And I, like, ended up going in and just kind of sneaking into the conversation how I do, you know. And I told her teacher, just like, you know, like, nonchalant. I was like, well, you know, Pumpkin Pie was kind of afraid to talk to you because she was afraid to ask for help. And her teacher just reiterated everything I had said to her, just further validating her feelings. And both of us just reassured her, like, not only is it okay to ask for help, but it's a good thing. And her teacher just kept telling her, like, I want to help you, but I can't help you if I don't know you need help. Exactly. Help me to help you. Help me to help you to help me to help you. Yeah, exactly. And so, like, after that, like, I had to talk her into even joining this meet. And we've been in school for a month. This is the first time she's utilized that resource. She feels so much better. Like, I feel like she's going to utilize that every day and our work is going to be done so much sooner because she feels comfy with it now. That is good. 
Right? Because some days she's still doing work when I get home from work. Well, a lot of times, too, that's because we do be getting distracted. Like like yesterday, you were like, why is she still doing work? Well, we also, um, we brought we brought Squirrely Girl to occupational therapy for an hour, and then we went to the library for an hour, and then we saw that the library had these signs outside for a story walk, and there was this half-mile walk through this field that had, like, every 10 feet was, like, a sign about, like, some cool, like, mystical creature from books, and so we went through that whole walk, and, like, so three hours later, we got back home and then she was back on work and so that's why she was still working when you got home wow thanks for taking me through the mystical creature walk well you weren't at the library Jimothy. i would have rather had been there than where i was well you should have been there because the kids were really excited because one of the mystical creatures was a yeti and they knew you would have loved that oh i would have loved it i'm yeah. happy i'm happy that they look at bigfoots and yetes <laughs> and they think of me they think of you they do they that do is fantastic but you know the other thing i figured out today what's that fidgets now you know me and i need fidgets like you've noticed even if i don't have an actual fidget i do find something to fidget with and uh so today our nine-year-old was uh, struggling to stay on task she As was she struggling does. to focus so we have those like pop it fidgets so i like just i just threw one at her <laughs> like at her and i was like play with this because she was clapping she was sitting there watching this video but she kept clapping and because like i'm also neurodivergent like the clapping was just kind of giving me this itch in my brain and i was like i i can't with the clapping she does these very loud things these yes. are the things that she does to distract herself it's not to distract herself it's actually it's, to keep her yeah, focus yeah but but it's yes, the thing. They, they are these big motions she needs to do something to stay focused so i just tossed this this poppet fidget at her and then she just finished the video it was great now our five-year-old um the thing with her is that when she struggles with something, she's like, I don't want to spend any mental energy on this. And so with her learning how to write, she was like writing today. She had to write like one through 30, but I was not allowed to help her. Now, normally when she has a writing activity because she's in kindergarten, I will write what she needs to write above what she's writing on her page and she copies it. But because this is for reporting for the school, they were like, don't help her. And I was like, okay. So I told her, I was like, write one through 30, right? And she's like, okay, I will. And every three or four numbers, she would go ahead and just start doodling on half of the page. And like, it was like, I didn't even like notice. I'm sitting there with her the entire time. And suddenly she's just doodling on half the page. And I'm like, dude. Like, like, just keep writing. Keep it. Let's go. Let's and and it took forever. And so what I ended up doing is I gave her our other poppet fidget and I put it near her left hand. Um, and I said, just tap on this while you write. And that actually really helped her because hmm. it gave her something else to do while she was doing her work. And it's adorable because I couldn't help her. And that's a struggle for me because I want to help them do it right. But at the same time, that's not like learning is making mistakes and learning from them. So when our uh, when our squirrely girl was writing 1 through 30, it was adorable because she wrote 1 through 20. And then when she hit 20, she wrote 11 through 19. And then she wrote 30. Oh. So like 21 through 29 didn't happen. She just repeated 11 through 19 and then wrote 30. And I just think that's really cute. Because, I mean, it's it's close. Right. It's close. It's very close. She like, understands the, the concept. Exactly. It's, it's, it's exactly. It. it just takes some time. It'll get there. But I also like when the kids get really upset with school because it happens. Like you get upset at work, right? Mm-hmm. I tell them to take a break. 
Like, that can be stretching, that can be breathing, that can be a dance party, that could be five minutes, that could be 30 minutes, I don't care. For me, that's going to hide in the bathroom and play on my phone for half an hour. Well, honestly, though, like, everyone needs mental health breaks, and, like, for me, yeah, do I want my kids to perform well in school? Absolutely. But I want them to feel good about performing well in school. I don't want learning to be a stress for them because I feel like they have a lifetime of learning ahead of them. And as an adult... I love learning new things and I want them to love learning. Like that's how we become better people. We keep learning. And so when I notice they're getting especially stressed about an assignment, I'm like, hey, let's do something else. Let's take a break. Let's do a go noodle break. Let's go draw a picture. Like let's do something that isn't stressing you out because your mental health is more important than your schoolwork. Because you'll get it done when it gets done, and that's okay. Exactly. But that's, I mean, honestly, like, that's just kind of how I feel about it. Like, when it comes to grades, when it comes to school, I feel like when it's a subject they're interested in, they're going to excel in it. Yes, and it's more important that they they learn how to do the problem solving, learn how to do the work versus learning how to pass a test or, you know, memorizing. Oh, well, I know that this is the answer because this this, this, this. I know this. No, it's more of I understand this than than knowing this. I think that's more important. That's exactly it. I want them to enjoy learning and not have this huge pressure to have these great grades. At the end of the day, when they go to college, when they get their jobs, are the grades that they get in grade school, middle school, high school really going to matter? No, it's their understanding of concepts. So maybe they'll get a C in algebra when they're older, but if, as long as they did their best or at least just did enough to understand and pass, that's what matters to me. Like, when they are interested in the subject, when they are passionate about it, they are going to excel. And if they're not super interested, they're not super passionate, like, babes, just do what you can. You know, like, just put in an effort, a good effort. I don't expect perfection. I expect you to try. Just try. And to be ambitious and to do your best. And your best is going to look different in different areas. And that's okay. I want my kids to be successful and love learning and not have learning be a stress in their life. So when it comes to school, I'm going to support them. The teachers are going to support them. And now I understand because of the last couple of years, I understand how much of a team we really can be. And my kids are excelling. But if that changes in the future, we'll visit it then. Exactly. We'll we'll, we'll burn that bridge when we come to the exactly. kitchen. Exactly. I don't expect the way that things are now to be the way that things are later, just like the way that things are now aren't the way things were a few years ago. Yeah, or they won't be that way in five minutes. Exactly. But anyway, I mean, I think we, we ought to tell people where they can find us, Jen. Thank you for hanging out with us. <laughs> you can find us on... TikTok. Where are we on TikTok? You are on TikTok. I am on TikTok. You can find me, Tori Phantom, on TikTok, Tori.Phantom on Instagram, Tori Phantom on Facebook and Twitter. I am at Jimmy on the air on Twitter. I had to think of what it was, so I spoke very slowly. <laughs> I'm at Jim Beard on TikTok. I am at Jimmy Nips on Instagram. I've been toying the idea with making a new one. I don't know yet, but that's where it is right now. You can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts, but if you go to anchor.fm, 
you can find our landing page there. And if you've got something to ask, if you've got comments to make, you can actually leave us a voice message. Please utilize that. We can even use them on the show. You've heard that on episodes before. Uh, So go ahead, drop that voice message. Let us know what you think, recommendations, something you want to hear us say. And then there's all the DMs in between, too. And we love to hear from you. Yes, we certainly do. So why don't we go ahead and put this little baby down to bed? It's been a productive day. Tuck it in. All right. All right. Good night, sweetie. Good night, love. All right. You've been such an angel. You have sweet dreams, okay? Yes. No, I've given you one. We don't need chocolate milk and graham crackers. You want a bagel? What? It's 11 o'clock at night. It's good night. I love bagels. I love you. Listen, good night. Good night. Good night, sweetie.